0: You didn't ring for breakfast. I didn't want any. You know, a little food might make you feel a little better. You know.
1: I do. You know, it's past ten o'clock. Where'd that watch come from? Well, you bought it for me, Catherine. I did not. Look, I told you I needed a watch. You said I could charge one for you with Tiffany. What else have you bought? What else have you bought and charged to
0: me? I think it's not, I don't Where's Leslie? I never seem to see Leslie anymore. So I feel she neglects me. Of course, though. Maybe Maybe uh, you should get a little fresh air. Why huh? don't we we'll go for a drive We could stop. No. No, I don't want to go for a drive. Oh, listen, we could go down to Malibu. Then we could stop and have a little drink on the way home. How about a little drink?
1: In since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors. <laughs> well, that's too long. Pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the Forgotten Horrors podcast with your hosts John Woolley, Michael H. Price, and my own self, Wolfbrand Jack.
0: And thank you Michael H. Price and Wolf Brand Jack and welcome everybody back to the Forgotten Horrors podcast. I'm John Woolley, that was Michael Price and uh, our producer engineer Joey Hambrick's with us and we're getting ready to talk about a film from um, the days of the well, I've heard them called several different things. They've been called psycho bitty films. They've been called uh, hag exploitation, And they've been called old gal horror films. But they basically started in 1962 with Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And they ran for maybe maybe a decade or so. And this, this film we're going to talk about uh, on the Forgotten Horrors podcast this time around is one that came along toward the end. It's a film that was known as Savage Intruder and also known as Hollywood Horror House, which is a title I like a whole lot better. Michael, how are you tonight? Glad to be here. Just uh, <laughs> hadn't, ever,
1: hadn't ever thought we'd ever see that film again. And uh, kind of nice to rediscover it. So you did you see it? Uh, when did you see it? Did you see it when it first came out? It was a lost film for many years, and yeah. it—I uh, uh, had known of it under the original title *The Comeback*, mm-hmm. which makes more, more sense actually. And uh, then in well, what year? I've got to uh, got to refresh myself a bit. It had a video release during the late '80s, early '90s on one of those, you remember the big box VHS packages? Oh, yeah. Larger than a a video cassette and elaborately decorated in extremely bad taste most of the time. Uh, Most of the time. uh, Yes, that that particular release as Savage Intruder uh, came to my attention when I was running the entertainment desk at the Star-Telegram in Fort Worth. And... uh, couldn't forget the uh, the packaging. I'm I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the leading lady, the ever so distinguished Miriam Hopkins, would have been appalled. Uh, the tagline for the uh, big box VHS video cassette release was, "He loved him and trusted him until he chopped her head off."
0: <laughs> well, you'd think so that she might be mortified, except that she had done a few years earlier for Russ Meyer the Fanny Hill. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, it,
1: it was it,
0: it, an actor act, as, as Mr. Gilliger says. Mr. Gilliger always says, well, let's do a little bit of, uh, uh, Joey always likes for us to follow some sort of pattern, which we uh, we seem to rebel <laughs> against uh, unconsciously every time. Uh, <laughs> this is the story. Uh, it, it's, it's essentially, and I know this is a very much of an oversimplification, but it's basically Sunset Boulevard and Psycho together.
1: That's good and, uh,
0: because there's mother issues in this, and there's also the Sunset Boulevard of the faded female star, uh, and uh, it is about a young man, a hippie boy, in 1970, which is when the film came out, who uh, becomes the um, I guess I don't know what you call private nurse. I don't know what you really call him uh, of a of a faded. Uh, Hollywood actress played right. uh, here by Miriam Hopkins, and uh, come to find out, he's a psycho, and and uh, keeps having these sort of flashback, these sort of acid induced flashbacks. He's a drug addict and a psycho, and he takes, uh, he kind of starts ruling or taking over the uh, the the home where, where she, which in fact is the Norman Talmage or Norman Talmage. Uh, home uh, where they actually shot the film and it's and it's a slasher film now I've got to say at the very beginning and Joey and I have talked about this just briefly but the very beginning there is a a scene in which a slasher is supposedly uh, stalking Hollywood and uh, chopping up middle-aged people and there's in fact a scene in which that that particular scenario plays out I believe without knowing that was added after the film was shot in much the same way that the beginning gore in a uh, terror 10 killer, which is a film we've talked about here oh, yeah. on his podcast was done to kind of give the audiences or drive in audiences or home video audiences uh, a little bit of gore before it really happened. I honestly think that the film really started initially, uh, without all of that, that that whole scene at the beginning with the with the it's
1: got that it's got that patchwork feel.
0: Does it ever? Yeah, Michael, it really
1: does. It, it certainly does. The kind of the kind of uh, editing and and <laughs> uh, chopped together uh, aspect that one often sees in the films of uh, our old pal Al Adamson.
0: hmm mm-hmm. uh,
1: And it's like, well, what are we going to do with this picture? They uh, they obviously had in mind a Sunset Boulevard. Donald Wolf, the writer-director, uh, you can see what he's riff, riffing on. Yeah, and you can also you can also see that, what, uh, uh, nearly a decade after the Baby Jane sensation, they were really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> and and it's, it's a, a funny thing because Miriam Hopkins was ripe for that sort of role, and uh, bears mentioning that she wasn't as antiquated as people would have believed of her in uh, 1970. I mean, she, she right. was, she, she, her age at the time, she was born in 1902, her age at the time might have been considered antiquated in the time the film was shot, but it, that's not, not the case today. It, it's like she's, she still looks quite uh, robust and, and vigorous, Yes, and uh, yes. very much in command of her acting chops. Uh, this, of course, was um, sort of a swan song, uh, even though the working title was The Comeback. And uh,
0: she uh, she died two years later of a heart attack. Right, right. Well, and, you know, the other person in this, uh, Gail Sondergaard, uh, oh, yeah. was actually older than uh, Miriam Hopkins. Miriam Hopkins was, I think, 69 when this film was made, if you're to believe. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that maybe, you know, uh, uh, the studio publicity may have shaved a few years off of her life. But let's say, uh, or, or for the birth date, I should say, but let's say it's 69. She was 69 then. Girl so, sure. well, Gail Sondergaard was 71. And Gail Sondergaard, to me, just owns the picture. I mean, she's oh. just so good as the um, secretary, the private secretary to Marion mm-hmm. Hawkins' character. Uh, she's just terrific, and you know, you can't help but think John Garfield's son is in this. Is this is the psycho, the, the hippie psycho in this? And. John Garfield was hounded by the House uh, Un-American Activities Committee just as Gail Sondergaard was. As a matter of fact, I've seen some references that say that this was her first film back after being blacklisted for 30 years. And I just wonder if there was some sort of uh, something there where where, where uh, uh, Garfield, the young Garfield, John Garfield, uh son, wanted Gail Sondergaard in it because... Uh, he his dad and Gail Sondergaard had gone through that whole tail gunner joe uh you know weeding out the commies in Hollywood kind of thing. Right. I'm curious if uh, if that had anything to do with the casting. No telling about that. It's
1: it's a uh, it's a t it's a toss-up. Gail Sondergaard had a uh, had an extensive resume in old Hollywood Yes, she did, and, and, and a, a vibrant player, uh, specialized specialized in uh, well horror films, mystery pictures,
0: right?
1: right. Mm-hmm. Spider Woman, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, well, Strange Death of Adolf Hitler, uh, yeah. wonderful Ellery Queen picture in the early forties, Invisible Man's Revenge, and 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 of course, uh, one of our. Uh, favorite universal bees the spider woman strikes back
0: with kirby grant
1: that's right exactly Uh but uh, now that there are there are many many reasons to check out uh hollywood horror house i suppose that's the that's the most common title one would find it uh under now uh not to mention the the presence of (laughs) joe besser
0: and you know You know this, Michael, and Joey, you do too, but maybe some of the folks listening don't know that there was a Joe Besser impersonator (laughs) in the Tulsa area back in the (laughs) 1970s, and I won't go into the whole story except that I was working for the Tulsa World Entertainment section at the time, and I came in to do a, a, a late night review, and the city editor, or the state editor, calls over and says, say I've got a stringer that just filed a story on a guy named Joe Besser, one of the three Stooges. I said, she said, it was one of the three Stooges. And I said, well, it had to be Joe Besser at that time, Joe Dorita. Those are only two that are left. Uh She said, yeah, it's Joe Besser. I said, yeah, it sounds fine. Well, the next morning, I pick up the Tulsa World. And it says, the first line from the stringer is, when Joe Besser hung up his skinhead wig after appearing in several little rascals pictures he did and i went oh no Uh uh-oh and all of a sudden my phone started ringing the three stooges fan club guy called up all of these people started calling up and saying you know this is not this is not right and so i had to start trying to run down joe besser (laughs) uh, to find joe besser this is maybe 86 87 and uh you know, my comrades, Michael, being an old newspaper guy, you know as well as I do how yeah. mercilessly the, uh, the newsroom will raz you if something like that happens. So people were coming by and suggesting headlines for my story, like, bogus stooge tells world staffer pick two. And it was just horrible. Well, I finally... Uh, Uh, got a hold of uh, I found Joe Besser's biographer of all things Jeff Lindbergh who's still a friend of mine out in LA and he put me in touch with Joe Besser and when I told Joe Besser that he had in Tahlequah Oklahoma an impersonator he was stunned which I can imagine that's the appropriate response and uh, so that's my Joe Besser connection And to see him as a tour bus driver in this film, who really provides the coda to this picture. Uh It's just, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. He's always, always
1: welcome. I even like him as a stooge.
0: Yep. (laughs) Even though he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't like the knockabout stuff of the stooges. And if you look at the stooge comedies, when he took, when he became the third stooge, you know, there's not a lot of knockabout with him as there was with Shemp and with Curly and, and even later on with Curly Joe, honestly.
1: No, no, no. Joe, Joe Besser brought a lot to the table and he stayed, he stayed in uh, film for years beyond uh, Hollywood horror house or, or the comeback or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Mm -hmm mainly in television and, and with a, a wonderful career as a cartoon voice.
0: Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. And it's a funny, and you you look at certain scenes in this picture, including the one with Joe Besser, the first scene, when he's when he's taking the tour bus around to look at the homes of the stars, and the little girl gets out and throws up. This, you can see that, They really, Donald Wolf was really trying to do something here. He had a vision, you know, when they they pull into the Hollywood sign, which at that time was in in pretty dire shape, you know, and it's ragged and flapping and just kind of sad and ugly. And uh, you can see that there are certain scenes that, that he's really, he's really, he's really got something to say. Don't you think? (laughs)
1: He's, got, uh, he's got, a, uh, got a Billy Wilder attitude on an Al Adamson bike.
0: <laughs> Good point. <laughs> That's true. That's exactly right. And he does. But he does. You know, there's that first scene, which is pretty sweet. The first yeah. time we see, we, we see Miriam Hopkins. And she's coming down the stairs. And at first you think that she's got a big party going on. And, of course, you know she's drinking a little bit. And mm-hmm. she's got a big party going on. She goes down the stairs. And then all of a sudden you realize the party's just in her head. And that's yep. a really nice scene. You know, I've seen a lot of um, reviews of this picture where they talk about sleazy. And it's a, it is sleazy. But it's also, there's also some thought behind it. Sure. And this is the only time ever that um, Donald Wolf produced, directed, wrote a picture. He's mostly known as an editor in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Do you know much about, uh, I think we, we we kind of, when we were writing back and forth about this, Michael, we kind of, uh, you kind of mentioned it and I don't know if you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, Mm -hmm. was there, uh, you said there was kind of maybe a, a a checkered history to this picture.
1: Simply a matter of it's not really getting released. Right. Right. And uh, that, that could be, I, I, it's no better and no worse than a lot of other exploitation pictures we've covered.
0: In fact, it's better than a
1: lot of them. It's better than a lot. And it's more searching. It it has a, it has a very strong reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's a, uh, it's a limited release. If at all, uh, the uh, official release year is given as 1970. But when the, uh, when the off-brand video company I mentioned put out the uh, Savage Intruder version,
0: mm-hmm. uh, it called it uh, first time ever released. Well, I just wonder, because Joseph Brenner Associates were supposed to have put it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know Joseph Brenner, they were pretty much bottom feeders. I mean, they did the that last Errol Flynn picture, Cuban Rebel Girls, and they did. And in 1970, the same year, that uh, that uh, Hollywood Horror House came out, they started doing Freaks as a Midnight movie. They picked up Freaks to do. So I'm wondering if maybe they were doing Hollywood Horror House as a Midnight movie, perhaps. I just, you know, I have no idea if that actually, if that, you know, I don't know how Joseph Brenner released it, but I know they were very much, you know, Brenner stuff, exploitation stuff, uh, but they kept going for some reason or other. The picture deserves a more appreciative audience. It does. And I really, you know, I love to see people who are trying to do something. If their reach exceeds their grasp, well, you know, that's okay. They at least tried. And I really think that was the case with Donald Wolfe. And obviously this was not a breakthrough film for him because he never did another one as a director, uh, producer or a writer Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, made his living as an editor, but my gosh, there's some great stuff in it. And, and some of it, including without giving it away, including the ending is truly creepy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, a
1: good editor often makes a good director. Uh, we've seen that happen. I mean, case in point, Walter Murch. Right, right. One of the one of the finer editors. I I had the had the pleasure of working with Walter as uh, editor on the restoration of uh, Touch of Evil, the Orson Welles picture.
0: Yes, right, right.
1: And and he, uh, without any coaching from from yours truly, uh, he remembered uh, that I had reviewed his. Rare attempt at directing, uh, the Disney version returned to Oz yeah. in favorable terms. And he said, nobody, nobody ever noticed me for that except to say it wasn't as good as the original. Well, it, it wasn't anything like the original. Therefore, right. it was probably better. Right,
0: right, right.
1: But well, yeah, a wonderful editor in that case uh, turned out to be uh, the director of uh, probably the best Oz film that's ever come down the pike. You think it's that good? I think it's that good. I uh, uh, I have no bias against the 1939 MGM version, but I always felt that it uh, needed some darkness. Right. And Walter brought that. And, uh, But we digress. With the, the point being, a good editor often makes a good
0: director. And Donald Wolf definitely brought the darkness on this picture. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, I I would like to say I how was the uh, the YouTube transfer of the film? It was okay, was it? You
0: yeah, I know that Vinegar Syndrome has done a. You probably got a really nice print, right? Because you yeah. get the Vinegar Syndrome stuff, Joey.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's like really a good a good looking uh, Blu-ray, and I I must say I haven't listened to it yet, but there's a commentary track with David Dakota. <laughs> on this oh, thing
0: very good yeah really
1: yeah That's is all, this uh,
0: one of the films that influenced him or something
1: it, it has to be, you know the the exploitation thing definitely right. I, you know uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to that but anyway i just wanted to say that that it's a it's a it's a really good uh, uh blu-ray so
0: so it's you can to, pick uh, it up on vinegar syndrome or you can watch it on youtube yeah. in a and really what looks like a vhs tape Right, okay. I mean, basically, it's what it looks like. Yeah. Oh yeah. We want to mention Minta Durfee is as how she's uh, she's uh, credited. It's actually Minta Durfee Arbuckle. This is Fatty Arbuckle's uh wife. Is right. One, is the uh, guest at at the dinner. She has mm-hmm. one scene, and uh it's not particularly memorable, but she does a fine job with it. We sure. want. Uh, we also want to talk about if I let me get my notes together here um we want to talk about uh virginia uh uh wing oh yeah this was her first movie she ended up getting amassing a decent amount of credits she's a young woman who who falls for uh garfield's character mm-hmm. uh, john david garfield am i saying that right is john david garfield or david john john david it's john david yes john david garfield and then and then florence lake you know, we did we did a film with Arthur Lake, uh, a ghost film, not too long ago on the 30th, oh yeah, I guess, and that's this is of course his his sister, and who's best known as if she's known at all for being the wife of Edgar Kennedy and all of his two reelers, yeah, you know, a lot of his two reelers. She was his best known, uh, his best known wife, I guess, and you know, there's a scene in this picture that lets you know. That um, Donald Wolf is really trying to do something, and that's the scene. And I could not tell. I watched the film a couple of times. I could not tell whether or not this was a dream sequence or a real sequence. But i have decided it was a real sequence within mm-hmm. the you know context of the film. Yeah. Uh, the Hollywood the Hollywood Christmas parade. Oh that, yeah. That 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 uh, that the the, the character uh, ends up in as the female, I guess, or as actually as the star of the Hollywood Christmas Parade. And there's people standing there and he shoots back and forth this again and again. Uh and uh with a bunch of people standing in front of a topless nightclub. Yep. Right. Watching the Hollywood Christmas parade with Mary Hopkins character. And of course when she's interviewed, she just has no clue what to say at all. <laughs> and it's just awful but I I just you know Joey Hambrick and Joey you might want to go ahead and turn on your microphone because yes one other time we had a Joey's <laughs> choice and that was a I guess surrealistic would be the term a surrealistic film called The Bed That Eats was Joey's choice it was oh, yeah. kind of a double feature along with the Vincent Price football um sure, right? yeah uh-huh, yeah <laughs> maybe the weirdest uh yes. we've done weird things but that may be the weirdest uh of all of the forgotten horse podcast <laughs> but i gotta tell you this is a this is a picture i would watch again good and what do you think michael it's not it's not a picture to be dismissed
1: lightly as, as it's I not over that point but uh, anyone who Anyone who uh, appreciates the films of David Lynch, I think will get yeah. something out of Hollywood Horror House. Uh, forget that lurid title, uh,
0: Savage Intruder, maybe, yeah, Comeback. I like the comeback. I like the comeback. It's like an yeah, ironic title. That really describes it. It really describes it. And, well uh, let me let's run in very quickly folks if you don't mind listening to the uh, commercial portion of the show now uh-huh. Michael I've been playing on my my radio show my Western Swing radio show swing on this I've mm-hmm. played about four or five times now your Bob Dylan meets Bob Wills a oh. of like a rose of San Antonio oh, and yes. every time I'm getting all of these questions where, where, where can we get this? This is great, this is wonderful. And this is on uh, one of your discs that you oh, yeah. have online on, on, on now, right? That
1: is correct at, at Amazon.
0: And the name of it is uh, I oh, the, the, the CD, it's called yeah. Mess with the Rose and You Get the Thorn. Get the thorn. That's right, that's right. It's a wonderful thing is that the latest thing that you have out for the folks to take a look at uh
1: the latest is the uh is the uh santa claus blues c d which is not in season <laughs> of course but in print nonetheless <laughs> uh, and there will there'll, there'll be more in fact, I'm just about to upload a uh, collection of uh, uh what we call cowbop Doo-Wop. okay uh
0: western swing tinged with rhythm and blues nice. Well, I'll be getting a copy of that for my show, certainly. (laughs) And I should say, if if you like Western Swing and uh, Cowboy Jazz and some unusual recordings as well, uh, you can tune into my show anywhere in the world at 7 p.m. Tulsa time every Saturday night uh, on publicradiotulsa.org. It's called Swing on This. And, of course... You know, Tulsa is the place where Western Swing grew up, as I like to say on my program. And we play a lot of Michael H. Price, and uh, we intend to play a lot more too, Michael. And that's just like a Rose of San Antone. I never fail to get commentary on Facebook and and the other and the other places uh, when I play that song. Crazy, it is. It's 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 wonderful. Now, I also want to say that finally, the third book in the Cleansing Trilogy is out. And Michael, thank you again for what you said about the book. We're using your flap copy, and uh, it's a it's a it's a series of horror novels, three of them. Last one's called Sinister Serpent, set in 1930s in Arkansas. And Robert Brown and I, Robert A. Brown and I, wrote the books, and uh, we're getting some really good response. And if you're interested, if you like pulp style horror love crafty and horror i guess in a way although this is more character driven than, than old hp uh then i'd like for you to, to check it out we'd appreciate it and uh we appreciate you know you listening to the uh, commercials uh <laughs> we do here on uh on our uh on our forgotten horrors podcast anything that i need to uh that I need to get into beyond that, Michael and Joey? We've exactly. covered the waterfront
1: very nicely and always always glad to bring these neglected pictures back into life, the life.
0: Thank you very much for listening to the Forgotten Horrors podcast. I'm John Woolley, that's Michael H. Price and Joey Hamburg, our producer and engineer. Michael, let's do it again soon. What do you think, guys?
1: We're ready when you all are.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll be back before you know it. Thank you. Awesome. I got to tell you before we start, the oddest thing happened. So I was trying, I think I told you, I was trying to get, uh, I, I saw on eBay where the guy had a Bert Mad Russian Gordon um, photo and signature. Uh huh. And he didn't want much, like 20 bucks or something. So I ordered it and I got it and I looked at it and it's Bert Gordon's picture, but it's Bert I. Gordon's signature. Oh, what? Oh. Yes. Oh yeah. He matched it up, and I wrote him, and I said, "You know, I'm the former president of the Birdie Gordon Fan Club," mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, which, of course, I am, and. Yeah. uh,